from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. And welcome to Career Talk, your career insider here on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School, and we are on SiriusXM Channel 111. Hey, Happy New Year. We're excited to have you. If it's Thursday, we are live and taking your calls all hour at one eight four four wharton That's 844-942-7866. So, had a question you always wanted to ask? Call and get in queue now. 844-942-7866. I am your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm a career director for the Wharton MBA for Executives Program here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter. And we are here with the dream team, Michelle and Dion, who are running the show and making this all sound awesome. So, hey, it is 2017. Are you thinking about a career change? Well, maybe this is your year. So happy new year. Today, I'm excited because we're doing something a little bit different. We are having two guests on the show, so we have double the expertise for you today. So if this is your first time listening, you've picked a great time to tune in. And we're taking your calls all hours as usual at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So we are excited to welcome... Our first guest, Dan Schauble, to the show. Dan is a partner and research director at Future Workplace, which is an executive development firm dedicated to rethinking and reimagining the workplace. Among his many, many noteworthy publications, Dan is the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of Promote Yourself, The New Rules for Career Success. And we are excited to have him calling in today. Dan, welcome. Really happy to be here. Excited. So uh, I have to ask. Exciting year for everyone. I know. I read your trends. I read your trends. So, so, so every year, Dan, you write these trends for the workplace. For um, you publish it in Forbes. So I'm super excited to have you here to talk about some of them. But before we even get into that, I have to ask: Are you a New Year's resolution kind of guy? I am, in a sense, where I'm all about planning for a full year. And I have this great vision for where I want to go, but I only do it year by year. And I break it down to five professional and five personal goals. And each goal has to be attainable. And I know that each is attainable based on previous experiences. And as you get older, and I'm you know, only 33, but as you get older, you realize what your capacity is, what's possible, what could take a lot longer than you anticipate. And committing to these goals is really important and measuring them. And so what I do is it, my goals are a checklist. Holy and cow. So you, you have I, 10 goals then. <laughs> 10. 10 goals, but they're all broken down. Okay. So I have to ask, what is what is your most challenging one? What is the one you're you're like most worried about accomplishing, Dan? It's sort of, it's a, so I, I've written two books and I'm working on my third one. And so, of course, the biggest, boldest goal is to write this third book because it's always a challenge even even though sometimes you've done things in the past it doesn't mean they get easier because if you're ambitious you end up making things harder on yourself you end up having bigger goals you end up um, adding elements into a book or a project that are going to challenge you and make you grow and it can be intimidating at some point so are you going to give our listeners a preview on what, what the book is, the 30-second the spiel, and when they can expect it, Dan? 
Absolutely. Uh, so my mission in life is to help my generation, the millennial generation, from student to CEO. So me 2.0 got them from college to first job, promote yourself from first job to management. And so I'm writing a leadership and management book for my generation. And uh, about a third or more millennials now are in leadership roles, and that's quickly growing. So it sounds like it sounds like it's perfect timing. Um, so, OK, let's talk about these workplace trends. So, um, hey, if you're just tuning in and you are thinking about making a big career change, this is going to be helpful because you'll see, is it in the cards and is it going to be easier based on where we're going in 2017 in the workplace or is it going to be more challenging? You've got a question. Give us a call, 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Dan Schaubel talking about the trends for 2017. So before we get to the 2017 trends, Dan, um, was there anything that was surprising from your 2016 predictions? I know you've been doing this since 2013 for Forbes, so so I'm wondering if there's anything, anytime you look back and say, well, that didn't happen. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. I think some of these trends take a lot longer than we anticipate, especially the technology trends. Like, you know, we've been talking about the explosion of video in the workplace, virtual reality, augmented reality, um, robotics, and even gamification as well as wearable technologies. And it just takes a lot longer than people think, right? And a lot of these technologies are still in their infancy. For instance, you might not see true virtual reality in the workplace and adopted by even 20% of organizations for five or so years, right? And so I think that it's hard to make the calls in technology. And if I could make the calls, I'd just keep starting technology companies. But I think it, it, it's tough because for organizations, especially the larger ones, to embrace them and for executives to be on board and for the amount of training that goes into figuring out how to use these technologies, virtual reality, for instance, is starting to be used more for training and development as well as recruiting. Um, a lot, some, some employers are bringing virtual reality headsets to career fairs to get you know students really excited about working at that company. It's still early, though. So some of those calls are, are typically really early, but some of them are very obvious. So, well, yeah, one of the ones I saw yeah, that I was pretty interested in was the boomerang career. Now, this was yeah. in your 2016 predictions, but I, I don't know that a lot of people actually think about this. Um, but for those of you who have not heard that term before, the boomerang career is going back to a company that maybe you worked at previously. So you left, you got new experience, maybe you went to school and you did all these different things and now you're going back. And I think that's a really interesting one because um, in the stats that you wrote about, Dan, like now 76% of companies are really open to this and as they should be because you already know the culture. Um, presumably you've done a good job and hopefully left on good terms. But I mean, I think a lot of job seekers, when they think about where am I going to go next and you know where am I going to do my, my great work, they don't think about previous companies at all. So I, I like that that's going to be something, well, I think that was a 2016-er, but I mean, I, I think that's continuing to move in that positive trend. Absolutely. It's, it's, good. it's an evergreen trend, right? Because the average tenure across all generations and genders, demographics now is 4.2 years. And for millennials especially, it's only every two years. So people are making more job changes. In 2017, about a fourth of the whole workforce is looking to make a career change. So this discussion is extremely timely. And 
because people are making more changes, more people realize that their the company that they worked out uh, worked at out of college could be could have been a better situation for them. So they come back, and with technology and all these alumni networks that are either Google groups or Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups or some sort of uh, uh, other additional websites that companies create for their alumni networks. It makes it easier to get back in touch with the people you work with and start to build those relationships and eventually get a job at that company. So this is only going to happen more and more as people have more career options and as the economy gets healthier, right? Unemployment has has, uh, really shrunk. Um, Compensation's up 3% this year. And people are more optimistic and confident in the job market. And that puts more pressure on companies to create a better employee and candidate experience. Like that's one of the trends for, for this year. And, you know, really build those bridges back to former employees. Hey, if you're listening and you are wondering about a workplace trend for 2017, you are on the right channel. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Dan Schauble, who writes the the workplace trends for Forbes every year. And we are talking about all the exciting things coming up for your career in 2017. But we'd love to hear from you, 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. And hey, if you're not already following me on Twitter, at Dr. Don Graham, because we can take your questions there as well. So, okay, let's talk about 2017. Some of the things I'm really excited about, actually, since you just talked about the fact that millennials are are only staying at jobs two years when the average tenure isn't much longer than that, 4.6. One of the things you wrote about that I am hoping becomes reality is having a better candidate experience when you're going for a job. So so we know I, I wrote an article about rude recruiting because it's so typical for people to apply to a company and either never hear back or even get so far as an interview or two and then never hear from the company again. So so tell us um, a little bit about how this is going to change for the job seeker, because I think this is a good thing. Job seekers have a lot of places online where they can complain about their candidate experience. So if they don't hear back from an employer or they go on a series of various interviews, I've had friends spend six to eight months going through interview cycles and then never hearing back, they're more inclined to complain online and there are places like Blaster where they can file different complaints. And that hurts the company's brand overall not just their employer brand, but also their consumer brand. People, we found in various studies in the past that people are more inclined to shop at competitors if they have a bad candidate or employee experience at their company. For instance, and this is a simple uh, example, is if they like soda and they have a bad candidate experience with Coca-Cola, they're more inclined to buy Pepsi for the rest of their life. And in this study, which was most fascinating that a lot of the press didn't pick up on, was the fact that if you have a bad candidate experience, you'll never, ever apply for a job at that company again. And if you are you know, making $60,000 now and, and are very smart and connected and, and you have good technical skills, well, 10 years from now, you could be you know, a vice president of some company and another company might try and steal you and you're, you're going to turn them down based on what happened to you when you were younger. Yeah, so companies need to understand we are in this like online rating 
um, world. I mean, we go on Yelp to see if our restaurants go. I mean, I'm looking to buy a new couch and I'm like, okay, well, let's see who thinks this is comfortable or how long did it last? So you can find out all of this stuff. And granted, what people put online it has to be taken with a grain of salt. But but this is true. And I, I wish more and more companies would recognize the fact that employees are paying attention to how they're treated in this process. And like you said, Dan, not only will they not apply there again, However, they may actually decide not to buy their product if, if they're a retailer or not to use their services anymore. So it, it can be a big deal. So we're going to go ahead and go to Cornelius in Pennsylvania. Cornelius, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Hey, how are you guys? Uh, so, so seeing that the, the average tenure at this point is 4.2 years uh, for, for current employees and two years for millennials, are employers more likely to, to kind of play ball in terms of uh, counter-offering uh, employees in terms of compensation when when approached and, and kind of told that their that their employees are, are looking elsewhere or having Oh, I love, love this question, Cornelius, because this is, um, I, there's two parts to this. One, I, I think you're right. You always have to be ready for a counteroffer, especially if you're a great employee. Um, and a lot of people aren't ready to deal with that. But um, Dan, from, from um, Cornelius's key question is, is, do you have any data or stats that show this is on the rise? Well, because the job market is getting better, give each employee more leverage over negotiation. So I think it's a great time to ask for a raise, and it's always a good time to see what your value is on the marketplace. So if you've been working for a company for two or three years, figure out if other employees are interested in hiring you and how much they're willing to pay you, because then it gives you more leverage with your current employer. The easiest way to get your as long as you're you know you know a highly productive employee, the easiest way to get more money from your employer is to say, hey, these other companies that compete against you are willing to pay me ten thousand dollars more, and that's how you'll know right then and there if your employer appreciates your work. So, and this is this is um, such an uh, has so many facets to it, Cornelius. So, you know, I, I think one of the predictions for 2017 that Dan talks about is that it is going to, um, you know, there's definitely more people moving around, and companies are struggling to get to talent, which makes it definitely in your favor to ask for a promotion and, and look at your value against the market. But um, using a counter offer, you have to be careful with that one because that can backfire on you. And and I would not recommend people go out there and kind of put that card on the table if they're not willing to play it. The research is pretty consistent with this one that even if your employer offers you a counter and you take it, about 87% of people end up leaving within the year either because their company asked them to or just because they, they knew in their heart that it wasn't the right place for them to be. So so once you put that card out on the table, it's really hard to take it back. Your employer knows you're looking, and so maybe you don't get as big of a bump in your salary. Now, all of these things you know, are, are case by case, but it's, it is definitely not a strategy I recommend that people use. But to Dan's point, um, yeah, if you've been um, kicking ass and taking names, go ahead, sit down, schedule a meeting with your boss and do your research on salary and say, you know, here's what I've produced. Here's my goals for, for 2017. And this is where I'd like to be um, monetarily based on this. And this is the value I offer in alignment with 
the goals of the company. So go for it, Cornelius. Thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. Hey, do you have a question about your career for 2017? We want to hear it. You're listening to Career Talk, and if it's Thursday, we're taking our calls all hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we have expert guest Dan Schaubel on today talking all about 2017 trends. So, um, Another one, Dan, that uh, that is is definitely out there is this gig economy, and you hear this term more and more. And the gig economy is is kind of this blended. I think it's been been called the portfolio career, other things, but basically you're going from gig to gig instead of staying at one company and being employed at one place 40, 50 hours a week. And this to me is very exciting, but I think to some people it's also a little bit scary because employers know that they can essentially um, you know, hire you for a contract and then let you go. And it, it's kind of a benefit to you if you're, you're very confident and you have a skill set in demand, but it could be a little bit scary too. So tell us about this. This is a really fascinating topic, and obviously it's been in the news a lot, especially with Uber and Lyft and various other sharing economy companies. 35% of all American workers are in the freelance or gig economy right now. And it's, it grows by about a million every year. And this does not capture those who are moonlighting at a full-time job. So working full-time with benefits, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, and then freelancing on the side. So that doesn't even count that. So it's even greater than what we had even pictured. And these are individuals who take on four to seven projects at a given time, Projects last anywhere from four to ten months on average, and they're making less than $30,000 a year with no benefits, and a lot of them choose to be freelancers because they want freedom and flexibility, the freedom and flexibility that they do not get with a full-time job. So people are more willing to give up employee benefits to have the flexibility to work from home or to from a coffee shop or a co-working space. Yeah, and it's that's one of the big changes in our economy right now. I think I think people though who are I mean we have this uh, and I, and maybe it's generational, maybe it's not, but I think there is this idea of security and I want to and there is no such thing as security, right? Dan, there's no <laughs> there's no yeah. guarantee because we're an employment at will country and you know, even though you get a job and it's going well, any day there can be a layoff and everything. But there's a a, a sense of security when you have a full-time job, regular hours, and that kind of thing. So the gig economy, I find, is very exciting for a portion of people, but people who really hold security dear <laughs> struggle with that a little bit. So so what can they be doing, um, you know, in 30 seconds, what can they be doing to prepare themselves for this to really get the most out of it? Well, I, I don't want people to think that everyone is going to be a freelancer in the next five years. It's going to be more of a blended workforce where you're going to have more freelancers, but also more full-time workers, not at the cost of freelancers, right? And so it's depending on the task that needs to be done. So, you know, if you're smart in this economy, you're going to look at the skills that are in the most demand. One of them is, you know, if you want to be a data scientist, you're pretty much set at least for the next five years. Uh, so choose what skills are important, how to use and analyze data, um, more technical skills, more around STEM, science, technology, engineering, math. You know, find those gaps and focus on accumulating those skills, learning how to code so that 
you're more protective and protected and you get choice. It's all about choice. Choice is freedom. So being able to say, hey, I want to be a freelancer or I want to work full time. And mm-hmm. you don't really get as much choice unless you make the decision to get the right skills to get leverage in the job market. Yeah. So um, it's, it's, I, I don't think, I, I think freelancing is good for some people, like you were saying, but not for everyone. So really figure out what you want. Figure out what you want and then go after it. Hey, we're going to go to Larry in Michigan. Hey, Larry, welcome Hi to Career Talk. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, I just wanted to make a comment. Uh, one of the things uh, Cornelius a couple calls back had indicated is that uh, recommending to go to a competitor of, a, a, of a, a company that they work for and seeing if they'll get a higher rate. And I kind of see this as kind of what a lot of the talent banks are doing uh, out there in, in various states where they're building up uh, resumes where people are frequently hopping to the next uh, you know, employer just because they'll make a dollar an hour more. And I think that that hurts the economy in the long run uh, because, uh, you know, people are always shopping for an extra dollar instead of building a rapport or building a relationship with their employer and letting the employer give an opportunity, you know, back to the employee that will say, hey, let's build this together and let's let's grow together instead of just having everybody jump ship uh, each and every time. I think it's disloyal to shop a competitor you know, for a dollar, two dollar, three dollars an hour or something like that. So as uh, a business owner, Larry, I'm so glad yeah. you called in because, yeah, I mean, I I, I think, um, you know, just as talking about trends, I mean, I think the idea of loyalty either way to the company or, um, you know, the, the employer to the employee has definitely trended down. So I don't think people feel that same loyalty. Now, um, I'm interested since you're a business owner. See, I think the thing that employees feel like is that their employer won't listen or that their employer is going to you know, just overlook it or not give them the raise. So they think, well, this is my only way. And I'm not saying it is. But but how do you deal with it when you sound like you're somebody who's open to it, but your your boss or your company isn't open to sitting down with you and saying, let's talk about how we can make this work here? Well, the biggest thing that I see so far is that uh, uh, with the advent of social media, things have become so easy for people not to talk directly to another person. They can reach out on a computer uh, they can say, hey, I'm just going to send my resume out to 30 different competitors. Let's see what the rates are that come back. And then they're shopping their jobs like they're shopping for their insurance. And, you know, they basically aren't giving their their employer the opportunity to discuss what their own life goals are or what their goals are to give that employer the ability to fulfill that. And it's in the employer's best interest to be able to do that over time, have longer-term employees, uh, where everybody's being fulfilled. And as long as we keep these, uh, you know, job markets, you know, basically, you know, uh, letting employees shop, 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 you're not going to have that, that loyalty ever built. And I think that the com- the company culture has to be made in such a way that people have an open door to come in and say, hey, you know, this is coming up for me this year. I, You know, this is something that's happening in my life. My life's changing. It may change my job a little bit. Is there anything that we can work together on? Because as a business owner, I'm a problem solver first. I'm not. Uh, I'm not looking for a penny. I'm not looking for a dollar. I'm looking to solve a problem, whether it's for my customer or for my employee. 
So well I think said, Larry. Well that... said. <laughs> um, we we do. We live in this Tinder world. We live in this swipe left, swipe right. And, you know, if I don't like this and it's not working or it's getting a little hard, then it's like, all right, well, we're, we're going to move on. We're going <laughs> to just go to the next thing. And you're right. It doesn't um, it doesn't necessarily make sense for the employee. And it certainly isn't making sense for the employer who's not investing the time in their employees who are coming, showing up, working hard, getting stuff done and um, not getting getting the reward for that. Larry, we love, love, love when people call in with their thoughts, opinions, ideas on the topics we're talking about. So, hey, if you've got one, we want to hear it. We're taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So, so Dan, one more I want to talk about in terms of the 2017 trends, and I've already seen this in my own workplace, about annual reviews moving to more of a continuous conversation versus this once a year you get a rating. And, and so I think that's exciting because that's the way it really should be. However, I also think that people are nervous about the fact that, well, how do we know who gets the raise and who gets the promotions? We don't really have any any kind of concrete data anymore. So, so what's going to happen with that, Dan? That's a good question. It's still this trend is still in its infancy. So you have companies like GE and Adobe that have more or less check-in systems where people are being reviewed regularly. Um, it's it's not like they're not keeping data to look back to and in terms of figuring on who gets promoted and who doesn't, they are doing that. It's just happening more regularly. And the reason why this is important and it's part of these companies' cultures is because employees are really impatient now, right? Everything is about instant gratification. No one is going to wait a whole year to figure out where they fit in your company. They're going to be gone by then. So it's really important to have these touch points because that increases employee engagement. And as you probably know, Gallup does a global study every single year, and about two-thirds of all employees globally are disengaged in their work. And it's been consistent like that for at least three or so years. I know. That's insane. This is one way of increasing engagement is to have all of these touch points where people know where they stand, their people are improving. It's part of their learning and development. Um, And we see this as becoming even more important, especially with younger generations that – are so used to getting the latest tweet, the, the latest Facebook update, and now they want the latest review, and the latest review they want regularly. And so we surveyed over 4,000 Gen Zs and millennials this year, and we did actually two years ago as well, and we found out that about one out of every four of them are getting regular reviews already. So this is only the beginning. It's going to happen a lot more this year and, and moving forward, and we think it's a good thing. And it's part of the corporate culture when these companies embrace it, and it's communicated in when they recruit and onboard new employees. So you know what you're going to get into before you even uh, start working at these companies. And I think that's what makes it work. And, and it's, it really is good for the employer because year over year, managers keep complaining about annual performance reviews. So why have them complain for the next 20 years? Yeah, I'm I'm super excited about this one. I think you're right. There's still kind of mechanics that need to be worked out, but I we have a number of callers on the show that talk about the fact that the you know the annual review has gotten to be a very you know sign here, send it to HR, and no discussion. And you know now that we have like you were talking about more virtual workplaces and everything, people aren't interacting, so their bosses don't even know what they do on a day to day basis. So I'm I'm kind of excited about the movement toward this, and um, I I think that's going to be a really good thing in 2017. 
2017. Hey, Dan, it's been awesome having you on the show. The, the 2017 career trends are super exciting. If you haven't checked out Dan's articles on Forbes, go check it out so you can see what's coming in the new year. So, so Dan, where can people learn more? If you go to danshawbell.com, S-C-H-A-W-B-E-L, that's where I house all of uh, the research that we do. So 35 research studies from the past four years. Um, and then, yeah, if you Google my name, you'll see just my social networking accounts, and I'm constantly promoting and reviewing new research ideas, thoughts, and conversations that we have with executives on an ongoing basis. Well, we're super excited to have you on Career Talk. We wish you all the best with your new book. Please keep us posted. We, we're going to be on the lookout for that. And we're going to be back with our second guest. But before that, we are going to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz. Okay, and this is this is right from, from Dan's prediction. So if you've been following him, this should be an easy one for you. Okay. <laughs> Fair pay is the most important type of comp for all age groups, genders, and ethnicities almost unanimously around the world based on several studies. But once you get past pay, the two most important employee benefits are health care coverage and this. So, of course, pay is the most important to people. However, <laughs> the, the second and third are health care and what? And interestingly, this benefit wasn't a mainstream benefit a decade ago. So there's a little hint for you. Hey, if you think you know, give us a call at 844-WARDEN. That's 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk. We're on SiriusXM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we will be right back. 